Wine, food, talk. NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. I'm Jeff Sheckman. Contrary to the bluster at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, trade wars are not fun and they're not easy to win. And like real wars, they carry with them lots of collateral damage. Not necessarily in human life, but in economic damage. History reminds us that it was a trade war in the form of the Smoot-Hawley Tariff that exacerbated the Great Depression. And the coming trade war has already driven the market down enough to wipe out all of this year's gain. And while we're only a couple of days into the second quarter, already it's the worst quarter since 1929. Not a very good start. And now the trade war has come home right here in the Napa Valley. Among the hundreds of items that the Chinese have slapped tariffs on in retaliation for unnecessary U.S. actions are American wine, its impact being felt right here in the Napa Valley. Joining me first to talk about the direct impact of all of this, I am joined by Michael Honig. He is the president and CEO of Honig Vineyard and Winery. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Jeff. How are you today? Good. It's great to have you here. You have spent years and years uh, cultivating the Chinese market. You've made a lot of trips. You've worked really hard to, to try and develop a business there. Talk a little about that first. Well, over 10 years ago, we saw it as a great opportunity. It's a huge country, a lot of new wealth, a lot of aspirational consumers that want to have the best, be it wine or cars or clothes. And we saw it as a, as a brand that's looking at things generationally that if we want to be around in 100 years, we need to have a stronger export business. And we thought China offered great opportunity. So both my wife and I, um, yes, yeah, spend about, uh, about once a year, we'll go to China or Hong Kong. She just returned from Hong Kong about a week ago. And uh, we've been growing our business uh, you know, very nicely. The U.S. business in general over there, the Napa business and the U.S. wine business, has been growing pretty steadily over the past seven to ten years. Yeah, we, we're seeing more and more interest in this. Culturally, I think people are starting to look at wine and food as, as a compliment versus in the past. When I first started going to China, I felt everyone was using a wine as a way to get inebriated and, and toast. And now it really is about, wow, this goes really well with my, you know, my, my salmon. Um, so that's great. And people are seeing that, you know, they want to know and try things and learn about them. And what we've seen a great success is, especially in Napa Valley, you know, when we can compete on the world stage as a manufacturer of something, we are perceived as some of the best wines in the world. And we need to tell that story because the Chinese don't really all understand. They think Napa is California. They think California is the U.S. You know, they may not have visited. They may not understand the geography. So by going over and being able to tell the story about Napa as you're Listeners know he only represents four percent of the grapes in California by volume, but that we have this very, very wonderful uh, quality. We have, to, you know, it's easy for us to know here in the states, but they don't know that. So we have to go over and tell them that story, and it's been wonderful for us to be able to tell it, and we're seeing more and more interest. Given that most of the consumers, particularly the consumers of Napa Valley wine in China are, as you say, aspirational, more the high-end customers over there. How much of a difference is this 15% tariff actually going to make? Well, I think it's you have to look at the, the very high-end wealthy consumers. It's not going to have really much of an impact. They're already driving world races and they're living in very ugly homes. But there's a demographic under that that really is what I perceive as the aspirational consumer. They're driving nice cars, but they want better cars. They want to put their kids in better schools. They're doing well in, in their, in their, um, in their uh, jobs. 
those are the aspirational consumers. So I think for those people, when they have a $50 bottle and next door a $60 bottle it, uh, the next day, that has some impact on their, their, their buying habits. The other thing is that there's a lot of other wine that is coming into China, wine from Chile, wine from New Zealand, that is essentially coming in tax-free. And the quality of their wine, as we know, continues to improve. Well, and that's the biggest challenge we're facing. We've got, you know, the U.S., we have, you know, with the, if this all goes through, it's 68%. So I sell something for a dollar. It lands at the port, exclusive of those shipping costs, for a dollar sixty-eight before it even has the markup of the importers and the distributors and the, and the retailer. Um, and you've got other countries, and you mentioned them. I mean, Chile and Australia, well, Chile and New Zealand are zero right now. Australia is going to zero next year in terms of duties. We're going the, we're going the wrong way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just unfortunate because, again, we may know, and by third-party endorsements, be perceived as some of the best wines in the world, but the Chinese don't necessarily know that yet. And we need to tell that story. And if it's only getting more and more expensive, and they're looking at, well, here's a Cabernet from Napa, or here's a Cabernet from Chile, and the price is half from the, from the Chilean wine, you know, a lot of people are say, well, I'll try this. It seems like a good value, and I'll, let's see what we think. And it's really unfortunate. And that's why I... I, I feel terrible and don't understand this administration's policy because who thinks war, you know, look at the definition of war. War is not a positive word. So, you know, to think that we can have a war with this government, it's crazy. And, you know, and I don't dispute there's a huge trade imbalance and there's obviously a lot of intellectual property issues that the governments need to resolve. But when you're looking at a, almost a $400 billion trade deficit to pick on, a, on an industry that's, you know, is about $80 billion, you know, we're at the flee on the back of the elephant on the back. You know, it's just, it's crazy. You know, we, we, we have no connection to this, this imbalance. And we're really being penalized and picked on, I feel, um, because the government of China realizes that we're branded, we're families, and it's easy to go after us and make, uh, make a statement. Will it get to a point, or could it get to a point, if there's no relief from this, that, that for you and, and for your colleagues that are selling into China right now, that it becomes no longer worthwhile? that you just move on? No, I'm not, I'm not giving up. I mean, I, I think this administration will change. Policies change. Um, smarter people will take over and, and, and get back to where we need to be in terms of how we can be a, a great exporter of our, of our product. And, um, you know, again, as I said earlier, we're a generational brand. And, yes, we have problems this year, next year, but really we're looking at 50 and 100 years. And I still believe we're seeing a lot of interest in China. We're seeing... Uh, interest in India. Uh, we're seeing interest in the Philippines. There are all these countries that we need to continue to promote to, and China's the biggest one. So we are not going to back off. We are going to hit. It's a, it's a hiccup. It's a blip. It's going to be impactful. But at the end of the day, and we know that things, there's a pendulum. The pendulum's going one direction right now. You know, it goes too far. People get upset and it goes back the other way. And we're just waiting for it to go back the other way. Is there anything happening now in terms of online wine sales through companies like Alibaba in China? A, a little bit. We tend to stay away from that. Some of the, our importers really want to focus on on, on sale trade, both well, a couple of different avenues. Uh, hotels are big, mm -hmm. uh, retailers, and private sales. And a lot of it's through companies, and a lot of the companies use wine is for gifting because there's a, a cultural um, uh, gifting policy where people give nice gifts to one another. And in business, you give gifts to people that are your suppliers or your, your buyers. And they want, when you give a gift, you want to give something of quality or value because that's perceived as giving 
appreciating the relationship. So you would never give something cheaper, uh, not of any value. So the online, although I understand there is business online, I know we've, and our importers have stayed off of that Alibaba and that type of a, a site. What we are okay. seeing, interestingly enough, is there's the, there is a demographic of Chinese that are traveling to the Napa Valley, and we are now able, uh, there's a company, uh, Gliding Eagle, that we're able to use them. So when someone comes to my tasting room, wants a case of wine delivered to Shanghai, we actually now have the, the means to ship that over you know, a few-week period to their door. And I have to ask you, it's not necessarily related specifically to the tariff issue, but what has been your experience in terms of concern with regard to gray market and counterfeiting over there? Uh, it's a big concern. Uh, it's very interesting dealing with Chinese on a business perspective. Culturally, I feel people are very suspicious, and, and they, they, they justifiably so because a lot of the products we have in China are fake. So what I find is the reason I think we're successful is we're a real business. There's, I, there's Michael Honig, Stephanie Honig, they can touch and feel. There's a facility they can go visit. We're not a made-up brand from an ad agency out of New York. So they like what we're trying to offer, what we, we're, off, what we, we're about. China has a huge problem with uh, two fakes. We haven't seen it with our brand, and probably because we're not, I, you know, in the context of Napa and Rutherford, we're a little bit more affordable. I know if you look at other brands, and I'm, I'm going to mention Opus because I know uh, David Pearson, the president, has talked about this. A brand like Opus, which is very high-end, very collectible, very exclusive, I know they've had challenges. And there's now there's some ways to fight those with, with proprietary label, uh, proprietary chips and things that you can do on your labels and in your, on your bottle to actually track each, each bottle. Um, but no, it's a huge problem, and, and everyone is worried about making sure that we don't get, that you don't have a counterfeit product. Well, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with all of this, and I'm sure we may talk again about it. Michael Honig, the president and CEO of Honig Vineyard and Winery. Michael, thanks so much for spending time with us. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Right now, I'm joined by Scott Meadows. He's the general manager of Silenus Winery here in Napa. They do a lot of business with China, and it is my pleasure to welcome Scott here. Scott, thanks for spending some time with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Tell us, first of all, about Silenus and about its relationship with China. What do you uh, import there, and how long has that relationship been going on? Well, we're a, we're a relatively small winery in Napa. Um, we've been here for, gosh, this is our 50th year, believe it or not. Um, and of the wine that we make, we send about uh, 80%, actually, in exports, um, a lot to Asia and some to Canada and some other places. And with China, we've, had an, we've been working on a relationship with them now for about... Um, eight years, and have slowly but surely been increasing our um, exports of Napa wine. And how do you think that this additional 15% tariff could affect that? Oh, that's, it's, it's uh, dramatic, actually. Um, you know, already uh, we're at a disadvantage um, compared to other countries going into China in terms of tariffs and, um, and the amount of money that's being spent in China for um, marketing wines. The French government puts a lot of money behind their business and helps all of their producers, and the U.S. government puts a little, but not near as much. And so that puts the onus on the wineries to the wineries and the wine regions to uh, promote their wines. And when you're going into a market and having to promote, and then having to promote even at a higher price, that that's going to slow everything down for everyone, I would think. Given that it seems like, at least uh, according to some of the reporting, that most of the buyers for Napa Valley wine in China are more affluent and certainly more aspirational. Is the price point going to make a difference to them? 
Well, I think that's an interesting question. Um, it kind of depends. Uh, as you know, for anyone buying a Napa wine, there's price points that go anywhere from $50 a bottle up to an amazing amount of money. Yes. And the same as uh, the wines that are available in China. So depending on what the wine is and what the price point is and, and what, what, what the purpose for them buying it is, I'm sure that it will have an effect. To what extent had you and your colleagues talked about this, prepared for this, thought about this possibility? Well, it's interesting. I would say, for the most part, it's a total surprise. Uh, normally, um, normally in the world, when um, when trading partners are having uh, trading governments, trading partners are having issues, there's sort of a dialogue that occurs before a full-blown trade war. And in this case, I think it was a little surprising that uh, we went from uh, zero to you know 100 miles an hour, uh, full-on putting what well, wine was not the beginning part of this, but with our government throwing tariffs out on, on aluminum and other products, um, you know, one could logically expect that China is going to respond in some manner. We were surprised it was wine and disappointed because it does, of course, affect the price of wine in China and, and our export market. But, you know, it was a little bit of a shock, a little bit of surprise. Um, and we're still hoping that it, it, it gets tapered down and that level our heads will come out and, and kind of figure this out before it gets too bad. Talk a little bit about the tariffs that are on the wine already, even before this additional 15%. This is quite a big difference, for example, from the wines that are coming into China from places like New Zealand and Chile and Australia. Yeah, different countries have different um, arrangements, obviously, with China. And so, um, you know, and there already are tariffs on, on wines uh, from the U.S. going into China. And that has always played into our pricing factors and working with our distributors over there. Um, and we would certainly love to get those to uh, go down or disappear or for us to get a, a better trade agreement, certainly that matches some other countries. Um, and so those have always been there, and, and we're, we're aware of those, and those are factored in. This is just something in addition to that. So, you know, big picture, I'm sure, from a long-term perspective, trying to work to get um, tariffs reduced and, and make that flow of goods uh, more equitable going between uh, both countries certainly makes sense. Um, I just go back to I think that there's measured ways to do that um, before resorting to something that's going to be as harmful as this is to you know, people in the wine industry and other industries. So it's not just our industry. It's other industries that are having to deal with this, too. Talk a little bit about what you've seen over the past several years in terms of the growth of the wine industry in general and Napa Valley wines in particular in China. Oh, that's been dramatic, actually. Um, as I said, we've been working uh, on relationships in China and selling wine in China now for about eight years. And, um, you know, it's almost, it's interesting, it's almost like an exponential rise. Um, and initially it was, it was sort of difficult um, introducing wine and wine from California and wine from Napa. Um, but the markets have matured there really quickly. Um, Chinese really enjoy um, wine drinking, and they've got great food that pairs well with it, and they're very open and receptive to it. So really our job has been sort of to promote that, um, you know, wine isn't just um, France-focused or, or outside of California-focused, but that, that California and Napa in particular um, deserves to be in that market and deserves to be compared to all the other wines. And, and, and that we've done, I think that the, that the wine industry in general and Napa in particular has done a really nice job with that. And that's, that's the message that we've been pushing. And you can see that receptiveness. And as more and more... Um, Chinese are getting trained in sommeliers and, and going in and creating fine dining experiences, or even just taking those sommelier uh, credentials and working with existing restaurants, Chinese restaurants and other food restaurants, and sort of integrating wine. Um, you've seen a really big change in people's consumption and understanding and, and frankly, enjoyment. And that growth path, path has been really, um, 
really dramatic. It's been really fun to see and be a part of, actually. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing in terms of visitors from China that are coming here to, to your winery and others in the Valley? You know, that's also over the past eight years changed a lot. Initially, we'd get some, um, and we would get people that didn't know that much about wine. Uh, it was more people that were sort of um, coming to America and, and, and the North Bay and like, hey, let's check out the wine industry. But I would say over that same amount of time, um, sort of people that are interested in wine or more serious about wine or at least interested in learning more about fine wine, we're getting more and more of those types of guests that come for the actual wine experience and know something about it um, and because of that get a much better experience while they're here. Are you engaged in, in, in the winery engaged in any online sales over there? Um, well, our, not directly, of course, no, but um, our distributor, I believe, does both in-store sales and online sales. And is that a growth area, do you think? Oh, absolutely. It's one of the strongest areas of growth throughout China. Um, as, their, as their shipping infrastructure has um, gotten better and strengthened over there, definitely um, online, not just with wine, but anything. That's been a big, a big booming area there, much like it has in the U.S., actually. And is your sense at this point that this is something that people in the wine business should worry about or that there'll be some kind of resolution and that, as you said earlier, cooler heads will prevail at some point? Well, we can hope that's the case. I mean, we're planning for that. We've, we've talked with our partners and we've, we've worked on stuff on our side and, and, you know, we're, we're cautiously optimistic. This, you know, this is not a good situation for anyone in any industry, mm-hmm. um, let alone the wine industry. And so I'm sure that there'll be some uh, negotiations and some work to be done. And we're, we're hoping, you know, things will go forward the way we want. Um, and we're sort of coming up with some contingency plans and, and talking to our partners to figure out what we're going to do if they don't. And finally, where are the other markets other than China that you see as growth markets for exports at this point? Well, you know, Japan is a wonderful market for exports. It's been a strong market for a long time um, for wine, a very developed market, and particularly in the last, oh, about the last 10 years, too, for uh, California wines and Napa wines in particular, it's really grown. And so that's been a great place to be involved in. We saw a lot of wine there. And Korea is the other place that... um, currently is sort of changing a little bit and growing, and we've seen some, some increases there. They're sort of our, they're our strongest markets at the moment. Mm-hmm. Scott Meadows, he's the general manager of Silenus Winery. Scott, I thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us about this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.